Well, hello, Crazy Pastor Nation. Hi, everybody. How are you guys doing today? They smell wonderful. Yes, yeah. look even better. Look even so better. So glad you're with tell. us today on the Crazy Pastor <laughs> Podcast. It has been a while yeah. since we've recorded a new episode. And yeah. so in this episode, I thought that we might spend a little time, Ronnie, just kind of catching up. A lot has happened. Right? It's been April-ish, somewhere in there since yeah. we've recorded it. You know, it's been a long summer. Been a long summer. Uh, we've had a lot been of a transition summer. in our uh, the crazy pastor staff. Yeah, uh, and so uh, we're super excited to have uh, Drew Boyles back as engineer. It's good to see DB. That's right. <laughs> and so thank you, Drew, for agreeing to do this again DB, with us and putting up with us. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty quick. That's good. You should take that on the road. So much has happened over the last several months, yep. and uh, I just thought we would just talk about it a little bit. Uh, we can talk about some personal things, but we can also talk Ooh. about church things. And the biggest one, I think, if I were to ask you the question, since March or April of last year, what's kind of the big thing in Baptist life these days? What's the big topic? So that's bigger than the 100-plus heat wave we had through the summer? Uh, yes, we okay. did have a significant heat wave. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's happened in the Baptist world? Yeah. Well, we've had, uh, we had an annual meeting, as we always do every year. And, uh, June in New Orleans. June in New Orleans, which was uh, incredible, incredible food, incredible experience, and uh, um, incredible upheaval <laughs> in, in Baptist world, which we have a tendency to do, kind of get uh, fired up about some things. This time, it's kind of amongst ourselves as Baptists in the world, in the, around the issue of women in ministry. Should a woman be a senior pastor? Should a woman have a pastor title? Should women be in ministry at all? So those are some of the things that were contemplated and discussed. Well, I th- you bring up an interesting point. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not often. <laughs> I don't, I don't but always no, get in this that. case, it is. Uh, no, you, you said that this is, an, this is just an us issue, yeah. which is kind of unique because yeah. usually when the the Baptists make the news, it's them against somebody. Yeah. You know, we're boycotting Disney. Yeah, we we're, love to fight Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yes, no more Marvel. We're not, you cannot watch Marvel movies or yeah. Star Wars is out. Yeah, or Starbucks. Uh, but this yeah. one only has to do with us. It's, that's what's been interesting. It's more internal. Now, the outside world sees and hears and makes judgments on that, but it's, it is amongst us as supposedly the Southern Baptist community, Southern Baptist family. Well, that's certainly a huge deal, yeah. and it has uh, guided a lot of the conversations, I think, that have taken place since June. Yes. It does feel a little strange right now, because now we are in November already, Yeah, and I am hearing less and less and less about the topic, Yeah, which actually scares me. Yeah, I know. Uh, that, <laughs> What's going on? So, that's why Crazy Pastors exist. Yeah. So, one of the major topics that we're going to do a multi-episode segment on is women in ministry. We're going to get into the weeds on it a little bit. Yeah. We're going to talk about complementarianism and egalitarianism. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have some guests on to talk about their thoughts on the right. positions. Yeah. Uh, and there'll be different yeah. uh, people that don't agree with each other are going to be on the podcast. Yeah, which that's interesting too, because you know, in Baptist life, we've always been able to disagree on things and still get along. This one has become a line in the sand. Mm. This could disfellowship churches based on how they land on this issue. So that's definitely unique. That's never happened in Baptist history. Not really our culture, not really our DNA, but all of a sudden, uh, for reasons we'll talk about that we believe, uh, this has become the linchpin of friendly cooperation or not. Yeah, and that, that's really the, all the conversations about women in ministry. But for those that are kind of in the deep end of the pool on discussions about Baptist life, there are bigger issues, which really are local autonomy 
and friendly cooperation. Those four words yeah. might forever be changed. Right, yeah, yeah, for so what it means, for it's sure. It's a tough one. It is. It, I have to just say personally, Ronnie, uh, and you know, I'm, I love being a Baptist. I have only served full-time at Southern Baptist churches. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a little heartbreaking to me to be talking through these things. At the same time, I'm also, I come from a Protestant background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have, and I've, I've, worked with a lot of different denominations as a a teacher consultant guy. So this one's pretty hard because it's damaging to being a Baptist. It's interesting. I was was talking with a pastor of a Presbyterian church, you know, just kind of getting his take on how they landed on the women in ministry issue. And he said, well, back in the 1800s, we kind (laughs) of came to a a conclusion on that. And uh, I said, well, Southern Baptist may be a little behind the curve on some of this stuff that we're dealing with. And he said, but every denomination has its issues. You know, you yeah. just expect it. It's people. So you're going to have issues. Just suddenly this has become our issue. Uh, and for interesting reasons, I think. It is interesting and it's very challenging. I remember C.S. Lewis, he used a phrase often in his writing uh, that he, he said that there is a way things ought to be. Now, just yeah. that word ought has always stuck with me. Yeah, uh, There's a way things really should be according to God's plan for us. And it's very, very frustrating to me having a Protestant ecumenical background and then see how much dissonance, how much fighting really there is among Baptists themselves. Yeah. Even the fact that we in our own state have two major conventions, one that is, I would say, very conservative, yeah. and then one that is conservative. <laughs> and so it's fascinating to me all relative, that right? we have conservative and very conservative and we can't get along too well. Yeah. It, that should be surprising, but d- don't, how many Baptist jokes have we heard through the years about first Baptist, <laughs> second Baptist, third Baptist, yeah. all in the same city because new of splits? Hope. Yeah. Hope, new hope. No right. Hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's, you know, I mean, again, you see that with the Methodists, you see that with Presbyterians as they deal with some of the issues re- regarding LGBTQ now that's divided. So now mm-hmm. you've got these churches leaving to start this denomination. And uh, it, so it is, it seems to be the natural course for denominations uh, where there's a, a clearing, so to speak, and new things are birthed out of that, uh, much like Paul and Barnabas, I guess. But uh, it, so it, it, it is sad, though. It's heartbreaking for things that you knew. And the thing about that in the Southern Baptist life, each church is being forced to deal with this and come up with their own conclusion. Right. You know, we had some of our people say, like, we've already made this decision. You can tell by the way we That's function. Right. Yeah, but now we kind of have to make a statement about it. People need to know, because they're going to be asking, all right, what about your church? Hey, where do you stand on this? It is yeah. strange, because somewhere around 40 years ago, our church dealt with this. Yeah. And then in our new constitution and bylaw model with, the, with our new board of governance model, yeah. they answered the question yet again. Yeah. And here we are. You know, another 15 years later, <laughs> having to answer it again. But the good news is, Ronnie, we have a booklet. Yes, I love booklets. Yes. yes. So uh, one Coloring of the things... booklet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in the show comments <laughs> below, you'll see a link to our booklet. But we are we are producing a uh, a, a booklet that uh, we are going to share with, with our church and with others. Yeah. And our, I think our position is that this is a secondary doctrinal issue, not a primary doctrinal issue. Correct. And so it's one that the local church should make a decision on, and it should not disfellowship us or disqualify us from working together. An SBC church that uh, that does not believe what we believe on this issue, doesn't interpret Scripture the same way that we do, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. We're not even going to tell them that they're wrong, nope. and we're not going to say we're right. 
Yeah, we just we have different interpretations, right? Yeah. We could be wrong. Yeah. But we should still be able to cooperate with each other. Yeah, because it's not about sin or salvation. It's, it's none of those kind of things. It, as you said, secondary issue, but it's become primary. So that's going to be a fascinating couple of episodes, I hope, I that wait. are coming up. Yeah. Uh, along those same lines, something really, really uh, I- intriguing to me has happened in your life. Oh, uh, because you. And if, if you guys in our global domination audience <laughs> can tell that Ronnie has to measure his words a little bit more precisely on the podcast now, because he is <laughs> yeah. the president of the largest state convention of Baptists, Texas Baptists. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've, can, I've got a filter hey. on. Applause track oh, in the yeah. background on that yeah. one, please. Yes, <laughs> please. Yeah. yeah. Shut the door. Um, so. <laughs> <No>. Wow. <laughs> Go to the deep yes, well yeah. <laughs> so quick. Uh, for you for Sorry. you insiders, uh, you just got that, Listen and I'm sure you're laughing. 13. No. <laughs> that was a great, great episode. <laughs> Ask your friend where that comes yeah. from. You'll find yeah. it. <laughs> So, but now you're you're president of Texas Baptist. What does that mean? I have no earthly idea. Oh, no. come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, kind of the way most state conventions are set up, as you said, we have two state conventions. Uh, in many ways, they are run the same. So, you have your executive director, which is the hired employee of the convention. So, he, uh, this person, uh, whether he or she, this person is the head. We have a new one. Julio Granary is becoming the executive director, following David Hardage. Um, so, but inside of that, you have your officers, you have your president, your vice president, uh, sorry, president, first vice president, and then second vice president. And so these are volunteer, you are elected in these positions. Uh, but there, uh, as we often say, there's not a lot of power to those positions, but there's great influence. Right. And getting to have influence over the direction of the convention, as well as what becomes important to the convention. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, I've been a Texas Baptist all my life, back even when there was only one state convention uh, <laughs> before the split. But so it's always been important to me, served in all Texas Baptist churches, love getting to serve, even outside of my own local context, uh, to try to have an impact. It's a one-year term. You can serve two consecutive terms if so elected. So I hope to accomplish something that carries on after my term is up as well. Well, I am, as my friend— as my pastor, as my boss, man, I am just immensely proud. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm grateful to God for giving you the opportunity to yeah, fill this position. Definitely. Because I think you're perfectly suited for it. This is a unique season in Texas yeah. Baptist life. Yeah. And yeah. to have someone like you that is the face in so many ways for us for the next two years, I think is significant. And I would even say this for any church members that are listening. I don't know how many of you that are listening that are just members of church, not on staff, that have been a member of a church that had a president of your convention (laughs) while being pastor. I mean, it's just not a common thing. Right. So it's something that we should all be just terrifically excited about. Yeah, and the reason I feel comfortable doing this is because we have a great staff here in our church, and that's significant. And also, there are some things I would like to see accomplished, even like what we're talking about in our podcast. I think these are things that translate and could translate across the state to help churches of all different sizes. Um, and also, you know, I've met a lot of great people already and got gotten to serve with some folks from Texas Baptist I didn't know so well. So I look forward to getting to know more people uh, and seeing their gifts and talents. And, it, you know, as we always say, we're better together. Uh, right, and that's that's a big deal, and to be able to see that across a whole state, I think, will be exciting for one, 
and hopefully um, influential for quite a while. Well, so another thing that is big on your plate right now is uh, every president must have a platform. Yeah. Uh, in this case, not a platform to run on, right? Because you're not running for anything. But it really is a platform of what you feel is critical that needs to be pressed on that perhaps in the normal course of the convention's work is not being pressed on. Right. Just limitations to right. what can be done. Well, I think there's, you know, when you start digging deep into what Texas Baptists do, we do a lot of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are tons of things. Globally, nationally, statewide as well. So it's, it's a In big, many ways, function in a scope of... Uh, some national denominations right. are the size yeah. of just Texas Baptist. Yeah, there are 5,300 Texas Baptist churches uh, in this one state convention. So uh, that's interesting to think about. But so what's important to me, I think what we've experienced here, the Lord's led us to, uh, one is our residency program. That's uh, Though people have had interns and residents through, through the past, this is something I think unique in how we do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's transferable. Mm-hmm. to other churches our size and, and larger or around our size. Also, that ties into the, the whole big umbrella, the regionally equipping church, right? where a church of resources can identify itself as so and help churches that are smaller, smaller staff, smaller resource base, whatever. But it's, it's that same idea of we're better together. Well, that's great for a statewide. What about in my, in my town? Right. Well, that's where we really see the water level rise when churches begin to cooperate together uh, to accomplish and meet the goals and needs of a community. So I just think it's exciting. It's been exciting for us. I think it's kind of become our identity at First Burleson. And I've heard other people, you know, we've had people calling and texting and email, hey, I want to know more what you guys are doing because we're interested in that. Right. So it it attacks church health. It also attacks the fact that we want to reach the next generation. And we all talk about there's a lack of people going into ministry. Uh, the, the numbers of people under the age of 40 that are going into full-time or even bivocational ministry have significantly dropped. We hear that in universities, seminaries are talking about that, and definitely churches. Right now, last I heard in the state of Texas, there are 400 Texas Baptist churches without a pastor. Wow. Out of the 5,300, that's, that's quite a number. So I think this is something this is something that can help alleviate that problem and help people who are being called by God because God's still calling people. I don't we don't doubt that at all. It's just helping them fulfill that calling is important. Well, we definitely as a church don't talk about it enough. Right. Right? It's uh you and I were talking the other day, how does someone even know that ministry is an option? Yeah. All of us had someone tap us on the shoulder yeah. and mention it, but I've never talked to a minister who said, no, I heard my pastor talking about, you know, being a pastor is a potential career choice for someone, a legitimate (laughs) job and career that someone could have. I haven't heard it from that direction, so I'd love to see us do more of that. But I digress. What you're really talking about, all those things fit under the umbrella of being a regional equipping church. Correct. This is something that I think 15 or 20 years ago, it was pretty common for mega churches, or at least, let's say, over a thousand the Metroplex is a little strange because there's a thousand churches over a thousand. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a little weird. Uh, but the the larger churches and communities, I think, were naturally regional equipping churches years ago. Yeah. But something has broken down over time, and it's not quite the same as it used to be. Well, I think we captured. You know, in the past, the First Baptist Church of a town was kind of the community center. Back before towns started building community centers and rec centers, 
And so that was the center of the community. And it was first because it was the first Baptist church that was there. And so other churches could look to that. And other churches were birthed out of that, even our own church. where we have nine churches still in existence that were church plants of ours. And so that we kind of lost that context over the years. And that's one thing that we kind of took pride in, healthy pride, that we are a first Baptist church. Let's do some things that churches aren't doing. Mm. And I think, it's, you know, we people push back against the name First Baptist. Well, it has its own reputation, which it does. But you, you break that reputation by serving and showing the community why you're here. And so we embraced that and took advantage of that to be able to impact our community, impact local churches around us. And you have to build trust, no doubt. Right. Pastors are territorial. You know, if you come to me and say, oh, I want to know what's, what's, atta- what's the strings attached here? What's this going to cost me, really? Yeah. And so we had to break down some of those walls. But once we did, then they were more feel very free to come to us and say, here's a need. Is there a way you guys can help us? Well, and so that when we talk about regional equipping church, there's really a couple categories. And we're going to do some uh, podcast episodes on these categories in the, in the coming episodes. But essentially, uh, a regional equipping church is ecumenical in nature. Yeah. We are not we are not just trying to get Baptist churches to be healthy. That's right. We need all churches in our community to be healthy because it makes it better for every church right. if we're all healthy. So from a uh, equipping standpoint of doing training opportunities, educational opportunities, fellowship opportunities for pastors, yeah. our community pastors luncheons that we do, uh, it's also um, the residency program is absolutely huge on that. Yeah. And uh, again, developing young ministers through yeah. residency and just through hiring. Yeah. So the other is uh, the the fostering, yeah. adoption, and church planting efforts right. is also part of being a regional equipping church. Yeah. So we'll get all, all into all that in the future. I can't wait. Hey, one of the things that I am wrestling with that I cannot wait to talk about a little bit more as I yes. am trying to study and learn and get better at this, is leading young staff members. Oh, wow. Yes. We have a few. We do, and I I think we're in a season of our staff life where we have more young people than we have ever had. Hmm. Uh, One, we see that in the the people that are joining the church, young marrieds with children. Yeah. I mean, God has really, really turned on the faucet for us on that, which is... Thank you, COVID. Such a blessing, (laughs) yes. Lots of new babies. Uh, uh, And then also, so we see that in our membership, a very, uh, our aging down in membership. Yeah. Uh, But then we also see it from a staff level that it seems like nearly all of the hires we've made in the last, I would say, two years have been sub-30, and many of them, many of them sub-20. Yeah, (laughs) we have a few of those. Right? For sure, yeah. The LeBron Jameses of the uh, Baptist world. So. Yeah, and I mean, every single one of them that we have hired at that young yes. age have yes. just demonstrated incredible talent. Crushed and what it. a joy Crushed it to have things. them with us, yes. right? But I will confess, as an old guy, <laughs> there are some things that young people have the capacity for, but just because they don't have enough practical experience, right. they don't quite understand how to get some things done yeah. or when you encounter problems because they've not experienced problems yeah. at the level that we experience in ministry, right. that it's it can it can throw them off. Exactly. So uh, all that to say, I am thrilled about the number of young people we have on staff, and I have taken on this challenge of me being uncomfortable <laughs> as I have to spend more and more time uh, bringing them up to speed 
and preparing them to be able to do amazing, amazing things into the future. Yeah, I mean, they're developing. You know, I have to remind myself, oftentimes, these new people are the age of my children. Yes. Uh, some even younger <laughs> yes. than that. So it, that it's a great opportunity that we have. It, it has some issues that comes along with it, but you have to manage that. Uh, but even talking to some of them who've come from difficult situations, hurtful situations, where they were kind of thrust out there on their own, expected to do a job, and maybe didn't go so well or wasn't the right environment, and yeah. that's been crushing for them. So yes. we want them to be able to be in a place that's safe, where they can fail and fail small, right? Uh, not, not mess up ministries in doing that, and so they can learn. And by that, be willing to be either, either we keep them or launch them off into something that they're healthy and ready to go. Well, that, that is something that I really hope all of our audience hears, that especially those that are members of churches, working in a church is an incredibly difficult job. Yes, it is unlike anything else that's out there. Yeah. Uh, you can work at AT&T like I did, uh, and you can disassociate from your work when you come home. Mm. Now, yeah. granted, we were on call 24-7. It wasn't complete unplug, uh, but I could I could turn a switch off a little bit. <laughs> but in ministry, it's so personal. Yeah. Uh, when you have... Uh, yeah, it's, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. We're going to talk about it yeah. in the future. But I think the big picture that I want to communicate up front on this episode to whet the appetite yeah. is you are not going to hear me talk about all the ways that these young people have got to change to adapt to us. <laughs> right. Okay? I've right. heard enough of that. Yeah. That's not what I'm going to suggest. Sure. I'm going to suggest it's us as older people that need to modify our thinking, our behaviors, and our expectations and have massive flexibility that we were never allowed when we were coming up. That is what uh, the younger people are going to need, which means we have to bend. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I, I know. <laughs> it stinks. It has cost me uh, some sleep at nights. Yeah. Right? Because it is just counterintuitive to me. Conform to us, right? No, man. I am a linear guy. Okay. Here's your here's your workflow. Go work it. <laughs> but just like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, yes. men are waffles, women are spaghetti. spaghetti yeah. Boomers like me, yeah. which I'm not a boomer, but I act like one. Um, <laughs> Old soul. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we like things to be very ordered and precise. Yeah. Whereas, generally speaking, the younger you are, the more fluid you approach everything in life. So creating balance to those equations. Yeah. I, I'm going to enjoy talking about that yeah. and just share some of the stuff that I've been having gut-riching moments about. Yeah. Well, I am uh, super excited about the upcoming episodes for Crazy Pastors. I hope this has been a good uh, catch-up, yeah. but also a good tease for the things that are coming up. We are going to have some huge, huge <laughs> guests coming up. <laughs> As Rick Gadden says. <laughs> I can't huge. wait for you to hear about them. Yeah. We're even going to do uh, we're going to do a uh, a staff questions oh, episode. I didn't know about that. Uh, yeah, it's it's been talked about. Oh, okay. We have not been invited to give them input. Yeah, uh, but our staff are going to submit questions for us to talk about okay. on the the podcast. When do we start our cooking segment? Is that coming up? Soon? Yes, Cage is getting his kitchen management license, yeah. so the cooking segments will be they're they're forthcoming. That was a great segue between football and staff. You did that really well. You didn't even well, bat an eye. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I really don't that know what I'm doing, but thank brilliant. you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. Already? Thank you guys for being a part of the journey and continuing to stick with us. Yep. And uh, more is coming up. God bless you. They're back.